The, the sermon series is titled Christmas Presents. Today's message is titled Broken Presents. Today's message is titled Broken Presents. A few years ago, I got a new prime lens for my SDLR camera. Now raise your hand if you know what a prime lens is. Anybody? Nobody knows what a prime lens is? Okay, it's a 50 millimeter lens that's, that's a prime lens, meaning that it's, it's special, it's designed to take photographs or portraits. Okay, so it's a special lens. And this Christmas present that I bought myself <laughs> arrived and when it arrived and I opened it up and I hooked it up to my camera, guess what was wrong with it? Well, it was broken, right? I, I hooked it up to the camera. I was so excited about this. I took some photographs and when I took the photographs, I noticed that all of the pictures were just a little blurry. All the pictures that I took with this brand new lens were just a little bit blurry and I fiddled with it and I tried to get it to work, but I could not get the thing to work. Why? Because I learned, I figured out that it was a broken present. Now, have any of you ever gotten a present that was actually broken when you first got it? Anybody? Like a toy that arrived in a box or something like that and it was actually broken in the box, right out of the box? As human beings, we were created to be images of God. Just like my camera lens was created to, to, to create images of whatever it is that I take a picture of, you and I were created to be images of God. We were made to reflect his goodness. We were made to reflect his love. Even as Gary prayed earlier, we, our words were meant to reflect the words of God. Right, So when we speak to each other, we were created to love one another, to speak life over each other and not death, Right, to, to love one another. But how many of us do a very good job at that? None of us. That's why we pray and we ask the Lord to help us with it. Right, Because we are broken presence. We are broken presence. The images that we display to the watching world are blurry. They don't look clear and sharp as God created them to, to be. The lens, which is your life and my life, is broken. We were created to be images of God's love and His joy and His peace. We were created for intimacy with God. We were created to be able to sit with God and walk with God and, 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 and enjoy fellowship with God and with one another. But the images are blurry, aren't they? I know they are because I feel the weight of coming off of Thanksgiving. I feel the weight of those conversations that you had with family members that were tough, that made you walk out of the room in a fit of anger, perhaps. The disappointments, the people that let you down, the ways that you let yourself down. You are a blurry image, brothers and, brothers and sisters, boys and girls. You're a blurry image, and so am I. We are a blurry image. We are a broken 
present. And not only are we a broken present, but, but our presence with God, what we were created for, is also broken. God's presence is broken. We were created without sin. We were created for a good, healthy relationship with God. But it's broken. Do you feel it? Do you feel that brokenness? The story of how God's presence was broken is found in Genesis chapter 3, and it was read for us uh, just a moment ago. Let's return to that, Genesis chapter 3, and I'm going to reread verses 1 through 6. I have four points today. The first one is God's presence was broken by sin. God's presence was broken by sin. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Now we know the serpent was possessed by the devil. Okay, and so you want to bear in mind, he's not just talking about a, a serpent. He's talking about the, the, the prince of darkness. He's talking about the devil. He's talking about the deceiver. Okay, personified or I would say possessing this creature. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, well, we may eat of the fruit of all the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. I don't remember God saying you shouldn't touch it, but anyway, she's maybe adding to the rules here a little bit, which we're prone to do. In verse 4, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate as well. The presence of God was broken by sin. And behind every sin, behind every act of disobedience is a lie. I want you to think about this. Behind every sin, whatever it is, big or small, is a lie. Behind every temptation is a lie. Did you see the serpent questioning God's word? The serpent saying, did God say you shall not eat. And then Eve says, well, uh, yes, but. And, then the, and then, the, then the serpent straight up lies to her and says, you will not surely die. He contradicts God's word here, right? He says, you will not die. And at the base of every sin, y'all, every sin, every lie that you've ever told, everything that you've ever stolen, every lustful thought that you've ever had, every act of self-worship or pride or arrogance, every, every single sin behind it is a lie. Behind every temptation is a lie. You will not surely die, the devil says. You will be like God. No wonder she ate the fruit. 
right? She believed, oh, I'm not going to die, okay, and I'm going to be like God? Guess what? God had already created her to be like God, right? He had already created her to be in in his image, and yet she bought the lie, and so did her husband, by the way, who's sitting there passively, not doing anything, going along with it, sinning against God, believing the lie. There's a TV show that came out a few years ago. I don't recommend it necessarily, but it's a show called Breaking Bad. And I thought of it because of the series or the sermon title, Broken Presence. And I thought of this TV show, Breaking Bad. It's the main character's name is Walter White. He's a, a high school science teacher. And his family's struggling financially. And even though they're struggling financially, things get worse because he gets uh, cancer. He gets diagnosed with lung cancer. And without treatment that he can't afford, he will be dead in six months. Okay, this is how the story begins. And so Walter White, this, you know, high school science teacher, gets this crazy idea. He breaks bad, right? He, he, he decides he's going to turn to a life of crime in order to fund his cancer treatment. And so he partners up with a former student, and he uses his expertise in science to begin cooking drugs. He begins actually cooking drugs himself. And the story goes from, from breaking bad to worse, and to worse, and to worse. And I think by the end of the second episode, like, he's killed someone, <laughs> okay? He goes from, from, from having a financial crisis to breaking bad to murder within two episodes. What, a, what an amazing picture that our culture is telling us about the broken presence of God. The broken presence of God. And I won't spoil the end of the show. I don't recommend it's an adult show, but it doesn't get better. <laughs> it doesn't get better. Sin leads to death. That's the truth. But what's the lies that we believe? The lie that Walter White believed, that money would help him get healed of his cancer, that money would make his family happy, that money would bring him respect. But what happened in the TV show? None of that. Right? He, he, He goes in remission, okay, but then the cancer comes back. His family doesn't doesn't end up getting better. His family falls apart, right? This is what sin does. It it destroys you. It leads you down a path of hell on earth. And the deceiver is whispering in your ear, even now, oh, come on, preacher. It's not that bad. My sin isn't that bad. But God's word shows us so clearly the broken presence that happens when we fall into sin, when we give in to the temptation to go against God and his will for our lives. Our sin breaks. 
our experience of God's presence in our lives. Do you feel distant from God? Do you feel like God is nowhere near? It might be because you're living in rebellion. You haven't turned from your sin. It might be because you're, you're following a, a God of, of money or you're following a God of success or you're following a God of your pleasure rather than follow, turning from your sin and, and, and worshiping the true God. What lies are you believing? A little sin won't hurt me. I can decide what's right for me. God doesn't actually want me to be happy. So I'm going to have to go and get it myself. Something that feels so right can't be wrong. God won't really punish me for my sin. What are the lies that you're believing today? What are the lies that are being whispered into your ears? What are the lies that I'm believing today? Every time you're tempted, ask yourself this question. What is the lie here? What's the lie? What am I believing about God that isn't true? What do I think I'm going to get out of this that I'm actually not going to get out of this? What is going, how is this act of sin going to lead me down a path of destruction? And you know what? If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, you have resources to go to God and to ask for his insight, to ask for his help, to give you eyes to see, to say, Lord, help me to see the temptation for what it is. Help me to see that eating this fruit will lead to separation from God. Help me to see how this act is going to break the presence of God. Turning from sin begins by recognizing the lie that we believe. So brothers and sisters, I encourage you, God's word encourages you, tell the truth. Look at your sin. Uh, don't, don't pretend it's not real. Don't pretend it won't hurt you. Don't pretend it doesn't matter. Don't pretend God doesn't care because he does. He's a holy God. He's a good God. He's a loving God. And we cannot come into his presence with any sin. God's presence was broken by sin. And God's presence was not only broken by sin, but it was broken by shame. Look at verses 7 and 8. Genesis chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. It says, Then, after they sinned, the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And that is referring to a physical nakedness, but it's also referring to a spiritual nakedness. Everything that they had done was visible. The sin that they had just committed, the rebellion they had just started was visible. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, something that on a normal day would have been a delight. Oh, here comes the Lord, walking in the cool of the garden, in the cool of the day. But the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. The created response was to run to the Lord. Hey, Lord, how's it going? 
What are we doing today? But because of sin, shame entered in. Shame covered over their lives so that they felt embarrassed. They felt horrible. They could not face God because of their sin. They felt this shameful presence. The presence of God was broken. You know, I I think for some of us, the mere mention of going to church can bring up feelings of shame. (laughs) The mere mention of going to church can bring up feelings of past failures, right? Things that we know we've done that, oh boy, if God really was walking in the cool of the day today, he would be so angry at us for what we've done, for how we've rebelled against him. I know some people that say, I can't go to church until I get my life straightened out. Why? Shame. Because of a feeling of of being a failure. A, a, A true knowledge that you have failed, that you have broken God's law, that you have broken God's heart, that you have given into the temptations of the world, whatever they may be. And sometimes church culture can make it worse, right? Because, because sometimes we can become judgmental about people who don't sin in the same way that we sin, right? And so uh, the, the, the people who sin sexually, maybe we judge them. Uh, maybe the young woman uh, uh, becomes pregnant outside of marriage and, and she comes into the church and, and as her belly begins to grow, she begins to feel her shame more and more, and she begins to feel the scorn of the people in the church looking at her, judging her, saying her sin is worse than my sin. That happens in churches, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It happens in our hearts. Why? Because we are sinful too. Because we have the sin of pride. We respond sinfully to other people's sin. That's why holidays are so hard, because you get a bunch of sinners together in the same place and try to share a meal, and it just doesn't work, right? It just doesn't work sometimes. Shame covers us. Shame keeps us from having intimacy with God. Shame uh, uh, is, is, is the evidence of that broken presence that we have with God. And every decision to sin will lead to shame. Every decision to sin will lead to some form of shame or the other. Our relationship, as Gary pointed out earlier, our relationship with the all-good, all-loving God was broken by sin and shame. And our enjoyment of his presence is shattered so that life is fuzzy, life is blurry, The lens doesn't work as it's supposed to because of sin and shame. And we keep trying to cover up and we keep trying to fix it, just like Adam and Eve did, don't we? We keep trying to cover up with fig leaves. We keep trying to sew together fig leaves. Now, I'm not talking about literal fig leaves, right? I I, I mean, what are the fig leaves that you're using to cover up your shame? What are the fig leaves that you're using to try to make yourself feel better about yourself? Sometimes it's just staying busy. I mean, isn't that the American way? How are you doing? Oh, I'm busy. You know what that is? 
That's a fig leaf. That's, and trust me, I know. That's a fig leaf. I'm covering myself up and I'm covering up my shame. I'm trying to make myself feel better about myself because I'm busy. Sometimes it's not staying busy. Maybe it's turning to abuse. Maybe it's turning to alcohol or drugs. Maybe it's turning to something to sort of soothe and take away the the feelings of inadequacy, the feelings of shame, the feelings of failure. Maybe it's indulging in sexual sin or pornography. Maybe it's indulging in overeating. Maybe it's indulging in online shopping, buying things, having that that feeling of a package on the front porch. You know what that is? That's a fig leaf. It's an attempt to cover up our shame. It's an attempt to feel better for just a moment. Why? Because the presence of God is broken. We work too much. We come to church and we compare ourselves with one another and we feel better about ourselves. But all the while we're ignoring the reason that we have shame in the first place, right? Which is our sin. It's our rebellion against God. And we keep putting on the fig leaves. And this is bad news, y'all, because the fig leaves, they don't work. Right? The more you, the more you try to cover up, the more you're revealed for who you really are. Or the more down deep you know who you really are, right? In your sin, in your rebellion against God. And so something has to change. Something has to give. The bad news is that our enjoyment of God's presence was broken by sin. But the good news is that God's presence has broken into this world. The presence of God was broken and the presence of God has broken. Like the breaking of day, God's presence has broken into this world. And I'm here to tell you, the first point was this, God's presence was broken by sin. The second point, if you missed it, was God's presence was broken by shame. And the third point is this, God's presence has broken our sin. God's presence has broken our sin. And now we turn to the first chapter of Matthew. We started in the first chapter of the Old Testament, uh, the first book in the Old Testament. Now, the first book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. That's what the name Jesus means. The Lord saves. Jesus, the Lord saves. Brothers and sisters, God's presence has broken our sin. God's presence has broken into the world. And Jesus came into the middle of a broken world, didn't he? He came into the middle of a broken society. He came into the middle of this family that is dealing with this situation that reveals the brokenness 
of the world that they live in. Jesus comes into the middle of a broken world. He comes in this miraculous virgin birth. And this miraculous virgin birth created a problem for Mary, right? Just as it would create a problem for many of us today. She had not sinned, but she would still experience shame. She would still experience judgment for her condition. But Joseph, her fiancé, was not willing to put her to shame. Did you see that? There's a little picture of grace right there. A little picture of grace. Even before Joseph knows what God is actually doing, he does not want to put her to shame. He shows mercy to her. He shows grace to her. Amazing picture of God's grace and of God's love. Even before the angel appears, God's presence is felt in Joseph's selfless act. And then God reveals the the whole picture through the angel. God says, this baby is actually from the Holy Spirit. Joseph's like, what? (laughs) Wait a minute. Okay. I am seeing an angel right now, so I'm going to tend to believe what you're saying, right? Because there's an actual angel, angelic appearance in his dream. And he says, this baby is from the Holy Spirit. Call him Jesus. Call him the Lord saves. He will save his people from their sins. And in this moment in history, God's presence broke into the world through a poor family in Palestine. In this moment in history, God's presence broke into the world through a miraculous birth. In this moment in history, God's presence broke into the world through Jesus. And how was Jesus going to save us from our sin? I think you know, right? You know the gospel. You know the good news. Jesus was miraculously conceived by Mary, a woman who had never known a man, who had never slept with a man. The Holy Spirit formed Jesus in Mary's womb miraculously, just like God had formed Adam from the dust of the earth. Jesus was a special creation in the womb of Mary. And as Jesus was formed, he became the second Adam. He became the second chance for humanity. He he, he was born under God's law. Just like Adam was born under that one law, Jesus was born under all of the laws. But unlike Adam, he kept it perfectly. Perfect love, perfect obedience, perfect relationships, perfect devotion. This is Jesus. This is the one who saves us from our sin. He was the only one to ever live who did not sin. He did not deserve death. Yet, because of his great love for us, Jesus offered himself at the end of his life as a sacrifice for sin on the cross. By his stripes, we are healed. And for every one of us who believe in him, who trust in his name, God's presence has broken sin. It has broken, I want you to remember these three words. If you get nothing else out of this sermon, I want you to remember these three words. Jesus, whose name means the Lord saves, has broken the penalty of sin. Okay, that's the first word. Is broken the penalty of sin. That means that I deserve death, right? My sin, my breaking bad is going to end up in a pool of blood. But Jesus is Death for me on the cross 
has broken the penalty of sin so that I no longer have to pay the penalty of sin. He paid it for me. And so I get everlasting life for, for free. I get, I get a gift of grace for free. It's broken. Jesus' presence has broken the, the penalty of sin. And, and that's the first one, the penalty. It's also uh, broken the power of sin. It's broken the power of sin so that sin no longer has uh, the reins of my life. Sin as a believer in Jesus no longer has the power in my life that as a, as a believer in the Lord Jesus, he's given us his spirit and we can say no to temptation, that, that Jesus can, can, can empower us through his spirit to turn away from sin because the power of sin has broken not just the penalty, but the power. And one day we look forward to the presence of sin being completely broken. That the presence of sin will be at the final judgment completely broken. And sin and death and Hades will be thrown into the lake of fire forevermore. And we will have an eternal presence with God forever where the presence of sin is broken forever. God's presence through Jesus has broken our sin. It has broken into our lives. It has broken our shame. Look at Matthew, the last two verses here, 22 and 25. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his, his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name, the Lord saves, Jesus. In case you missed it, Matthew spells it out. He says, the Bible has talked about this day for 700 years. From the prophet Isaiah who spoke these words, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, of course. The pieces are getting put together and they will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. A son shall come. Joseph received the good news. He believed the good news and he acted on the good news. He walked in a new obedience. He was going to put Mary away quietly, right? But now that he had the good news, he said, you know what? We can deal with the shame. <laughs> we can deal with the, the false accusations. Why? Because God is about to do something amazing in our lives by bringing Emmanuel to this world through my darling fiance, wife, Mary. God is going to do something incredible to bring his presence into the world. God's presence in Jesus has broken our shame. In the garden, Adam and Eve hid from the Lord's presence, but God sent Emmanuel to break into all of our hiding spaces. God doesn't say, come on out. No, God goes into the hiding places. When you're hiding in your sin, when you're, when you're hiding your sin, God will come in and find you. He will break into the places where you're hiding from his presence. Jesus broke into our world and he broke our shame by embracing us in our sin while we were still sinners. 
Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, while we were still hiding, while we were still trying to cover up, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for you to come out. He went in. He broke into the world to save you from your sin. Jesus came into this world embracing sinners. He was known as a friend of sinners. Jesus was known as the the perfect man, y'all. The perfect man. Better than your grandmama. The perfect man. Broke into this world. Broke into your life. And he broke into the author of this gospel, Matthew. He broke into his life. Matthew was a Roman tax collector. He was a traitor. He was a turncoat. He was a, a, a selfish and, and man who robbed and stole from his fellow Jewish people, and everyone hated him. His own family probably uh, rejected him, Matthew, because of his choice of life. But Matthew didn't care because Matthew was living his life. Uh, Matthew was pursuing riches and wealth rather than pursuing God and faithfulness. And Jesus broke into his life, and Jesus said, Matthew, I want to have dinner at your house. Jesus comes to the house. Jesus comes around the table and he's sitting with other tax collectors and all of these notorious sinners in this community. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they come in and they look and they say, Jesus, I thought you were a religious teacher. What are you doing eating with tax collectors and sinners? And what does Jesus say? Jesus says to them, those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, Jesus says, go and learn what it means. He's talking to the religious leaders. He says, y'all, go and learn what it means. I desire mercy, not your sacrifice, not your obedience. I desire mercy. And that's how Jesus breaks into this world. He breaks into this world by going to the sinners like you and like me. By going to the tax collectors like Matthew, who had, been, who had brought sin and shame upon their lives, heaped it upon themselves, and were seeking all the pleasures of the world to give them peace and hope and life, but nothing would satisfy, and so Jesus broke in. The presence of God broke into the life of, of, this, of these sinners. And God's presence will break into your life too. He will break into your life and he will cover your sin and he will take away your shame. And so how can we respond to this? The next time you find yourself tempted or the next time you find yourself or you realize, hey, I've blown it again, I sinned. The next time you rage in anger at your family, your brother or your sister, The next time you curse God or others. The next time you give in to sexual immorality. The next time you give in to those adulterous thoughts of lust, sex outside of marriage. Next time you fall into a pattern of lies and deceit. The next time you go online shopping because you just need to fill that void in your heart. The next time you overeat because you just want to feel okay. And you're not looking to God to feel okay. You're looking to filling something in your life. The next time you feel superior to other people who do all those bad things I just said, and you feel superior because of your own good deeds, how will you respond? 
Brothers and sisters, God wants to tell you today that he will break into your life. He will break the He has broken the penalty of sin for all who believe, and he will break the power of sin in your life. How will you respond? Will you cover up? Will you hide behind fig leaves? Will you run from God's presence? Will you keep running from his presence? Will you keep running from his presence? Look, the story of breaking bad, that doesn't have to be your story. The story of running from bad to worse, from bad to worse, from possible solution to next solution to next solution is a dead end, literally. And God offers salvation today in the form of Jesus. The Lord saves. Emmanuel, God with us. God who has broken into this world, who has broken into my life, who has broken into many of your lives, and who I know wants to break into your life even now. If you will turn from your sin, you will turn from trusting in your own fig leaves, and if you'll stop covering up and say, Lord, this is who I am, I'm a broken, broken, broken sinner. And I need your rescue. I need your salvation. Cry out to him. Call out to him. Ask him to come into your life and to to give you a true covering, to clothe you in his righteousness, not your own, to give you his life as your own. His shame, his nakedness on the cross to cover your shame. He offers that to you now so that we can be redeemed, we can be saved. God's presence was broken by sin and shame. That's the world we live in. But through Jesus, God's presence has broken sin and shame. And by turning from our sin and believing in Jesus, we can live in God's presence today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for the challenge of your word. Lord, thank you for the good news of your word. Lord, thank you that you didn't leave us at Genesis 3, but that you brought us redemption. You brought us the the son of the woman, the, the seed of the woman who has now even crushed the head of the serpent so that his lies, his deceit, his death do not have to be ours. Lord, we thank you that you have broken the penalty of sin, that we are no longer condemned who are in Christ, and that you have broken the power of sin so that we don't have to live outside of your presence anymore. We don't have to keep covering up with things that don't last, but we can come to you We can experience your presence. We can experience intimacy with you through Christ. So Lord, would you do that in each of us today? Give us faith to believe, to receive, and to enter into your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.